Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to episode 166 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. I'm Byron. I'm here with my buddy Gary. Gary, what's happening? You know, I'm just getting ready for another episode. Uh, we have a great one today. As, as we told you next last week, uh, we have our buddy Glenn Jarrell on the show today. Uh, Glenn is a local brown belt here. We all trained with him. And Antava being a great, uh, great on the match, he's probably one of the nicest guys uh, you'd ever know. And, you know, he didn't start jiu-jitsu until he's 47 years old. And, uh, and he's over there just killing people. So uh, he's going to... Uh, <laughs> give us some advice and you know how he does it he competes a lot um, you know he won a, a purple belt master six at the world so um, you know he's a great competitor and just a great person so uh stay tuned for the interview because you're definitely going to learn a lot yeah he, you know one thing amazing he's 58 you know and we all talk about wanting to train bjj for like ever but uh, and not that he's you know for you know that old but he's one to look up to and, and respect uh, as a senior member on the mat and just kind of uh, look at modeling what he's doing and how he's able to do this. He talks a lot about having a schedule that works for his body, and and he's tried a few different things, and he's really found out what's working for him and how he's able to maintain uh, his fitness and, and maintain his jujitsu and not overtrain. So he's really one of the working smarter guys, you know, versus just train hard all the time. This episode, Gary, is a little different, and I can tell that uh, you already know why it's different. Uh, usually, Gary and I record over Skype, and today, a very special day, uh, Gary is the same location as I am in my house, and we're recording like in studio, we could say, I guess. Yeah, I'm not used to recording in the BJJ Brick studio, so uh, this is kind of big time. I know I've made it. You've, yeah, it's a very exclusive place to be. I think you're the only person to ever come in here and record with me, so there you go. Yes, I, I feel special. This is Yeah, I haven't been to this BJJ Brick studio. I've been to BJJ 1.0, but I've never been to BJJ Brick Studio 2.0. Yeah, I, I moved a little while ago, and and it's just it is easier to record over Skype. There's no driving involved, and, and and you know it's just quick, quick and easy to do. But it's just also more fun to get together in person and kind of hang out and uh, and record. So uh, so this will probably be a top rated show. <laughs> well, that's mostly because of Glenn and his activities on the on the show. But uh, this will be for sure a great show. If you want to make sure you don't miss any of our future shows, and you also want the show notes to all the shows. Jump on our email list. You can go to bjjbrick.com or go to our Facebook page. There's a little place to put your name. Put a fake name if you want. I don't really. It doesn't matter to me. And uh, your email address. That you need to have semi-real or maybe your throw-down email address if you have one of those. <laughs> and uh, we'll send you out the show notes every week uh, after the show airs, and you could have them all at your convenience. Plus, it'll remind you of what the show this week is about. So, Yeah, because we figure we have been getting a couple fake uh, names in there because – you know, the other week we got Hicks and Gracie. A couple of weeks before that, we got Barack Obama and Donald <laughs> Trump on the same week. So uh, we're not totally sure if uh, Barack and Donald actually listen to the show. But yeah. it'd be kind of neat. I mean, we know Putin trains in, in <laughs> judo. So when he sent in on our email list, we kind of believe that one. Yeah, that one was real. Hey, also, too, um, you know, we talked about the email list. You definitely want to check out our audiobook. Um, Byron has an audiobook, your first year in BJJ. Uh, two and a half hours of content, uh, walking you 
you through the crazy first year of jiu-jitsu. Only $11.99. So, I mean, it's a huge bargain for uh, what you get. The first year is a tough year. A lot of people drop out, and we want people to keep rolling. We want you to go, you know, get your blue belt, your purple belt, your brown, your black belt. Um, basically, there's six different chapters, you know, going from everything to tournaments to uh, benefits of BJJ. And, and speaking of benefits, how many people have you known that, you know, have lost weight or, or went off high blood pressure medicine since they started it. So, uh, um, you know, what's great about a hobby that you have that actually helps you, you know, helps your life, helps you gonna help you live longer. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, your first year of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu audiobook, two and a half hours, only $11.99. And we have a link to it on the show notes. Byron, can you imagine if we did Jiu-Jitsu with sticks? You know, hockey sticks. Man, that would that would be game changing. It would be. It'd be tough. And you know, hockey players. They seems like uh, fighting is kind of normal. You know, it'd be nice to see some jujitsu. But um, today, for our quote of the week, we're going to cross over to the ice rink, and uh, we have a quote from the great Wayne Gretzky: "A good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to be." And Byron, I know you played numerous years of hockey. <laughs> Did you play at all? Uh, I would occasionally play in the front yard with uh, hockey sticks and a ball okay. running on the grass, no, not that's skating. Cool. Yeah, as a kid. Yep. But you know, I, I just saw this quote, and it a hundred percent reminded me of jujitsu. Um, you know, you think uh, in jujitsu, the good, you know, a good hockey player is, you know playing where, where you're at, you know, just looking for, you know, let's say a Kimura or, you know, has side mount. A great jiu-jitsu player is going to be thinking a couple steps ahead, uh, you know, realizing what your opponent's going to do, figuring out a way to counter that, um, you know, counter the counter and, and just keep going down the line with different moves uh, and motions. And so, you know, you have to think ahead you can't just stay right in the moment of where you're at and just you know focus all your energy just on that one move yeah i'm trying to think about more jujitsu stuff because you know really with hockey i am out of my element you were a three-time you know all neighborhood player though (laughs) i was one of the better kids in my front yard but there weren't a lot of us playing But, uh, you know, a good hockey player plays where the puck is. So, like, a good player would would play the submission you're in or the the position you're in. You know, if you happen to end up in the guard passing position, you're going to, you know, try to pass. If you end up in a bad spot, you're going to, you know, accept that reality and work your escapes and and try to be safe and try to get out of there. Uh, A great hockey player plays where the uh, puck is going to be. So a great jiu-jitsu person uh, would play uh you know like like a step ahead is basically what he's saying there like when you're talking about passing uh, you're in that you're in a guard passing position like a great jujitsu person while he's passing guard is already looking for the underhook you know to set up the next move he's not just passing guard and solidifying his position he's passing guard definitely looking for that underhook so he can go on the offensive yeah i think maybe we could even take this a step further gary uh you know that's a great hockey player a great jujitsu player an amazing just a player is playing the game they want to play. Ooh, that's that's deep, Byron. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, the exactly what I'm looking for there, but yeah, yeah. It, it's true. Like it kind of reminds me of uh, our article from, or not our article, our interview from last week with uh, pressure passing with Paul Schreiner. He talks about he likes to pass 
from his position. He likes to pass in half guard. So let's say the guy's got butterfly guard. He's going to force half guard. He's going to force his position and pass from there, which is where he's better at. That's what kind of run, run it reminds me of where you were talking about the amazing. You know, you're you're doing it. You're forcing the position you want to be in. There we go. I think that's a, that's a fun quote. Glad Gary found it. If you have a quote that you think we would uh, like to break down or or talk about that, we could relate to jujitsu. Uh, yeah, because you'll it. definitely like to watch Byron and I break it down. <laughs> send it to bjbreakoutgmail.com or send it to our Facebook page as a message or throw it up on our wall, whatever you want to do. Uh, we'll get it, and hopefully it'll be a good one for the show. Gary, this smooth transition is brought to you by grapplearts.com, where they provided our article of the week. And, uh, and what else could bring us a smooth transition? Smooth transition could also be brought to you by Jif Peanut Butter. <laughs> smooth as Jif. Smooth as Jif. Yep, I do like smooth peanut butter over uh, the, the yep. chunky kind. Thank you for Jif for sponsoring our show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, grapplearts.com is not sponsoring the podcast, but they do have great articles, great website, great videos. And, and we have had Stefan Kesting on the show, too. Uh, absolutely. So uh, we'd swing by the website occasionally, check out the articles, and we found three fixes for sore fingers in BJJ. And this is an interesting topic, Gary. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear... I mean, look at all the tape that's being sold today. Um, you know, it's, it's outrageous. I mean, there's a ton of people with with bad fingers, messed up fingers, sore fingers, and uh, and nobody wants sore and messed up fingers. Yeah, it, this would have been a great Halloween costume for somebody to just be a mummy with just tape it, tape up your whole body, yeah. and throw a key on. I guess you only have to tape the exposed areas to really make the effect work. But yeah, that's uh, how some of us jujitsu guys do walk around. But you know, I first I saw this article pop up, and I and I was a little bit hesitant. You know, I didn't know what he was going to say, as far as you know, advice for these the sore fingers. You know, maybe it was all medical stuff, maybe it was like tips and tricks. But no, uh, this was how to actually help your hands not be so uh, banged up all the time. The first solution is uh, probably the one I advocate the most is play a different style of game. You know, if you if your fingers are bothering you, and you're, you're playing a lot of spider guard, daily heva guard, he recommends looking at butterfly x guard or half guard, or just a guard where it's not so gi reliant. You know, every time, uh, you know, I'm working on let's say uh, I don't work a lot of spider guard, but if I feel like they're they're gonna like break my grip really forcefully, I let go. And if I like the worst, I think is when you you grab their uh, their pant leg uh, and. And they're going to kick out of your grip. They're kicking at your basically. The impact is going right into your fingers. That's that's not really a healthy thing for you long term. And uh, it's it's interesting to think about the you know yeah he broke your grip and now he's going to maybe pass your guard. But long term, you're going to have the same ha- same two hands the rest of your life. Hopefully, you know. I mean, people could lose hands, but I mean, th- this is the best you have right now. And you're some. I know some grapplers are abusing their hands, and hopefully, we all get old someday. And We're gonna ho- need our hands. Yeah, you're gonna need to. Your your magic. Uh, hopefully, the the next generation of you know iPads or whatever is all voice, or you can just look at it weird. But the odds are you're gonna need your hands for stuff, you know. Well, you may not need them for driving since we're going to They talk about, uh, you know, driver driver less cars. So, uh, 
Actually, I just made no sense. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but the reality is, you, you want to have... your hands. Yeah, you, you don't want to take care of your hands while you're young. You're going to have the same hands when you're old, but they're going to get worse. So I would just think about people getting, like, carpal tunnel syndrome or, you know, getting bad hands from typing. That's typing. That's a low-impact activity. If you're spending a lot of time on the mat getting your fingers, you know, kicked apart and, and ripped and pulled, that's going to have a huge impact on you as an old person. Be nice to the old person. Byron, you have never watched extreme typing on YouTube. That that's uh, you know hardcore typing. If you're, if you're thinking it's it's you know not very tough, uh, so definitely check that out. Um, hey, the number two point he makes is is just perfect for me. Um, solution number two: train more no gi instead of just avoiding the gi dependent techniques. Uh, and as you guys already know, I, I train probably ninety nine percent no gi. I I put the gi on a couple times a year, um, but. I started in the gi, and, and I can tell you, I don't wake up in the morning anymore trying to pry my hands open like I used to when I trained in the gi. Um, you know, it is m- much nicer to the hands. Um, you know, there's, you know, no crazy gripping. You know, you, you rely on more on underhooks, wrist control. Um, I'm not grabbing fabric with my fingers and folding them over. So, uh, you know, it does make a make a big difference. Um, and, uh, you know, it's also helped me. You know, it's a little faster game, uh, you know, more fluid and uh, help my scrambling So, um, and save my fingers. So, um, you know, trying a little bit more no-gi if you're uh, to solve a little bit of finger pain. Yep, good advice. It, we still – this is a contact sport. Stuff is still going to happen to your hands and your fingers and your toes. And all, but Someone's going to land on your hand occasionally. You put a knee on your hand while you're on the mat. That's uh, like kind of a – an incident that happened it's not something that's happening over and over again if you're playing a heavy grip based game where people are constantly trying to break your grips or they are breaking your grips you're kind of beating your fingers up there uh, uh number three here solution is try taping your fingers this kind of adds some support to them maybe it helps them uh, prevent from getting uh you know so extended or, or take some of the impact of these uh, kind of these violent grip breaks that might be happening to them look at i mean if you want to be an olympic judo practitioner or if your spider game is the best game uh, guard you have and, and you're going to be competing at a high level you're going to be turning your fingers up a little bit that's just part i mean that's just going to be what you're going to do look at all the olympic judo guys they, they're taping their fingers that's that's part of the game they're playing it's it's they've accepted that as as part of the sacrifices they're going to make but if you're a casual jiu-jitsu player and you have to tape your fingers to get on the mat you might reconsider maybe the game you're playing and uh, that's that's what I always urge. I, I always kind of just harass that my teammates that have to tape their fingers. And once you play a little different game, you're you're beating up your hands. It uh, I worry about them. You know, it's really not my decision. You know what they do with their hands, but no one's really thinking about themselves as a 80 year old or a 90 year old having these old jujitsu hands they did. You know, when they were in their 20s, 30s, or 40s. Uh, you know that that's going to have uh, repercussions in the future. But but taping is one thing you could do. And this. Let's say your fingers are a little banged up, a little sore. Tape them up and then stop playing that style of, of uh, game for a little while. Let them heal. And uh, there you go. That's good advice. Yep, those uh, great advice there from uh, Stefan Kestin. And and before we went on air and we were talking about this article, Byron came up with one that he likes to use a lot. Um, <laughs> he, 
<laughs> Why are you laughing, Byron? I don't know what you're going to say. Byron likes to uh, train in boxing gloves. Yeah. And uh, that way he, he doesn't become dependent on the grips. And, and it even makes it harder because the defense, the other guy has a you know nice hold to you know, grab. So Byron can't just pull out and it helps him work on his offense, too. So, you know, Byron recommends training in boxing gloves to uh, help that out a little bit. So. No. Yeah, it's it's only part truth, Gary. The reality is just one glove will do it. Um, Art Jimerson style. Yeah. Was he the guy in the UFC that yes. put one glove on? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best part about if you're to grapple with just one boxing glove on, your opponent shouldn't be super surprised when you start punching him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they shouldn't get too upset. Hey, I'm wearing a glove. What do you think I was going to do? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, your fingers will be pretty safe. You're, you know, if you're... I guess same thing can be said for people, you know, in boxing. Take care of your hands. You always hear about the the boxers who get in street fights. They have bad hands. They break their hands during a street fight, and then it affects their career as a boxer. You know, they're hitting so hard, they have to have their hands and their wrists taped up to protect them. You know what I would say to that? Don't get in street fights. I think I said pull guard in a street fight instead. (laughs) And then work your grips. (laughs) And work those grips like crazy. Oh, man. So I can tell this is we're going to be a little more ornery. Uh, this episode because uh, we're in person, which is always fun. It's Byron's fault. It is, but yeah, Gary's always ornery. I think I'm a little bit more, uh, uh, a little less ornery on the podcast, but in person, it's uh, we're both the uh, full full bore here. But we're happy to uh, have the article uh, from uh, GrappleArts.com. We'll put a link to it in the show notes and uh, check it out. There's more to it than we, we just covered there. Yep, and check out all his articles. He's got a ton of articles up there, a lot of great information, and and so definitely check it out. Yes, hey, and also want to tell you, too, we're all really, really close to the coach of the year. Uh, we have a panel of uh, six or seven people. How many is it, Byron? I don't it, it's It really depends how many you get back with us and if I get any more that want to do it. Yeah. But it's going to be, I think it's at least six, possibly ten. But Ooh, okay. So no matter what, we're going to have six people voting on it. You know, hopefully ten, uh, the more the merrier. Um, Byron set up a scoring system, you know, because everybody's not going to pick the same person. And, uh, and we all had to pick our favorite our second favorite and our third favorite and then we tally the points and uh, so we should have a winner here shortly but thank you for all your submissions and i'm really excited for the first bjj brick coach of the year all right well that wraps up the first half of the show uh, look forward to getting back with you guys after the interview but here is our friend glenn Jarrell. he is the most interesting grappler in the world he reached the top of Everest by sweeping it and taking mount. This is also how the mount position got its name. He had to drop his sponsorship with Beats headphones because they would not fit over his cauliflower ears. Their stock dropped 30% that day. He wore his unwashed gi to a blind date. You're damn right he got a second date. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring my my friend. I have Glenn Jarrell here on the Beach of the Big Podcast. He's, Glenn has been a uh, great training partner here locally in Wichita. Uh, he's uh, competed at a, a high level, um, and uh, he's got uh, he's done a couple of things we'll get to as well uh, on and off the mat. Uh, Glenn, welcome to the show. Hi, Byron. It's nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, it's it not. It's been a while since we've had just a just 
a local person here and uh, looking around and I'm just impressed by what we have uh, locally here to offer. We've got uh, you, uh, you know, uh, Kim Fox is, uh, holds world records in kettlebell and, and a lot going on here locally. And I'm like, we got to utilize our local talent, our local friendships and get Glenn on here to kind of share his story and, and what he's done. Glenn, could you maybe just uh, start by introducing yourself uh, to the audience? Okay, my name is uh, Glenn Durrell. I'm 58 years old. I've uh, moved here to Wichita about a little over 27 years ago. I'm originally from Illinois. I uh, came here and started working for uh, Cessna Aircraft, and I've been there ever since. I got started in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu by looking for gyms. Uh, I it's been I was uh, always a kind of a uh, UFC fan. And, uh, ever since, uh, I started watching some of those, I kept looking for gyms to, uh, possibly train in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or uh, maybe some kickboxing or anything, but I'd always, uh, go visit these karate gyms or some Taekwondo gyms. And I'd, I'd watch the uh, gym a little bit and it wasn't quite what I was looking for. And then I ended up walking into a gym on uh, South Broadway here in Wichita, uh, at the uh, JMTK gym. And as soon as I walked into it, I could tell that this is probably a little bit more of the gym I was looking for. There were a couple of people in the ring banging it out uh, in the ring, and there were a couple of people, uh, two or three people on the uh, on the floor actually uh, rolling around. I didn't know what they were doing. I assumed it was uh, jujitsu, but uh, I immediately decided that uh, that's what I, uh, I decided that this is probably the gym I'd get started in. That's kind of how I got started in it. Glenn, you mentioned that you're 58 years old. How old were you when you first walked in the door to, to train? I was uh, 47 at the time. I, uh, I know I was a little bit late, but uh, I liked it a lot. And uh, I had some uh, wrestling experience. I was uh, a high school wrestler. And uh, so I, I felt comfortable on the ground, and uh, so I, I thought maybe I'd just try to give this uh, jiu-jitsu a little bit of a try. Even at 47, I felt like I could uh, do what I uh, always did back then. When I learned real quick, I couldn't do what I always did, but uh, but uh, even though I got beat up quite a bit when I first started, I, I ended up sticking with it. And uh, Even at the age of 47, I felt fairly comfortable on the ground. I don't remember training with you maybe early on like that, but I remember training with you, you know, several years back and I could tell you wrestled and was your extent of wrestling, you know, high school and that was it. Yeah, it was just high school. I was, uh, I was fairly decent for our area, uh, in Southern Illinois, but, uh, you get up to uh, mid Illinois, we didn't compete very well with them. And then even in mid Illinois, they were, uh, they would go up North to uh, Chicago and uh, Rockford area and, and uh, they, they couldn't even compete with them. So I wasn't real good. We weren't uh, sought after in college or anything like that, but uh, it was okay for the uh, Southern part of the state. And uh, I, I had a little bit of a success uh, as a high school wrestler, but uh, uh, nothing to be, uh, 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 nothing to really brag about. I, th- I think it's interesting that you, you walk in at 47 you wrestled at high school, and that still shows that you did that. Uh, that's, 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 it speaks about wrestling, I think. It's amazing. 
Yeah, I, it's. It, I think wrestling is such a good sport. It just something about it. It, it uh, you, you you're comfortable on the ground. You uh, you know how to position your body and and use a little bit of leverage if you need to. Uh, you know. It, it, it now don't get me wrong. Wrestling is completely different from jujitsu, but I I actually felt comfortable and uh, once I was on top, it was. I I knew how to hold my body to make, to at least put pressure on somebody, but uh, uh, um, there was still a lot to learn when I first started. It was not, it was not as successful when I first started. I, I used to get choked quite a bit because wrestlers use their head first and uh, that leaves that neck exposed. So (laughs) um, that was, uh, that was the, probably one of the first things I ever learned about uh, jujitsu when I first started. Did you protect your neck? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a often a quick lesson to to pick up because it's uh, it's right there uh, many times in a row. Uh, you know, didn't protect my neck that time. I needed to do it again, and then again you get choked. So, uh, but were you working out between the the wrestling years and the jiu-jitsu years? What were you doing to stay in shape? I was not in good shape at all. I uh, probably went to a gym and uh, walked on a treadmill. And- did that kind of stuff. I probably, I, I'd go to the uh, weights and I'd hit the weights a little bit, but I'd only do that for a month or so. And then I'd quit. I, I was probably in bad shape. I'm a, you know, kind of a small guy. I'm only about five, six, five, seven. And, but, uh, I probably weighed 165 pounds when I walked into the gym and, and, uh, I could tell that, uh, I, I, we would roll, and I'd roll for probably about a minute and I would have to stop. I couldn't, I could tell that, uh, there was something wrong. It took me a long time to get my cardio up. Uh, and, uh, I realized that I hadn't been doing anything for the last, you know, since high school, basically I, I wasn't, there wasn't any consistent working out that I'd done. This allowed me to find the workout that I've been looking for that whole time, really. Glenn, I know you have a great family that supports you and uh, your jiu-jitsu. Tell me a little bit about them. Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm married. I have an adult child that has a family of her own, and I have a uh, grandson, and uh, they support me in, in uh, all my tournaments that I've ever uh, competed in. So it, it, that's one reason that they're a great family. Yeah, and I, I bet it is very important to have that uh, sort of sort of support as you're going, you know, training several times a week. And, and then when you actually go compete, it feels great to have them behind you. Absolutely. Uh, they know that I'm not here several nights out of the week while I'm training. And, uh, and, uh, but, uh, they know why I do it. And, uh, they know it's, uh, they want me to do it. They, they, they know that I, I love it and they want me to like what I do. So they, they're all supportive. That's awesome. Sometimes I try to think about why I do jiu-jitsu. What, what does it bring to the to the mat that I uh, keep coming back to? Is it? So I want to throw the question at you. What was different about this workout activity? Was it the social aspect? Was it the fun of getting on the mat and wrestling and, and training and grappling? Or why was it that you stuck with it? You said both of them. It's fun. It's a fun way to work out. Uh, I don't feel like it's a workout because it's so fun. And uh, I was really amazed on the family, the camaraderie we've uh, got at the gym. 
but we all go to fights together. We'll, we'll go to, uh, you know, a, a, a sports bar and watch the fights or we'll go to somebody's house and, and, uh, it's just a whole group and it's fun to be around. And, and, uh, I, th- I think those two things are what keeps me coming back. Uh, the people I hang out with now are people from the gym. Did you have any uh, like caution being uh, a little bit older? You walk in the gym and and the gym is full of these young athletic people, and and you were uh, forty seven years old, and and hey, I'm ready to do this. Did any like alarm bells go off in your head? Like maybe this isn't for you, or did you just go into it full steam ahead? Well, I was a wrestler, so I went into it full <laughs> steam ahead. <laughs> That's uh, which was the wrong thing to do. I. I uh, tried to wrestle like I did 35, you know, 30 years earlier or 35 years earlier when I first started wrestling and, and, uh, tried to go hard and it was just a hard lesson to learn. It was not the way to uh, go about it. I, uh, I wasn't afraid. I mean, because I, I felt like I could still do what I did 30, 35 years ago and, and, and do okay. And I, I learned real quick. I could not, uh, the first, uh, person I ever rolled with was, um, He'd moved to San Francisco. His name's Doug. I'm sure you know who he is. He he looked athletic. He was skinny. And I said, ah, this guy does not look like he could do anything. And uh, I quickly tapped. I, I learned tapping real quick <laughs> that first day I ever rolled. Uh, he, he was choking me and I and, uh, didn't like it. And I had to tap. And uh, I did that about five times in that first, uh, that, that first class. So... Um, that, that's probably uh, where I made my mistake, and uh, I, I felt like I could do it, but I couldn't, and uh, and uh, I just uh, had to learn the hard way, I guess. But you weren't too discouraged to, uh, to not come back. You you kept wanting to come back and learn. Yeah, I, it, that's that was the thing. Everybody was so nice. I, I just enjoyed it. I mean, it, I, sure, I was getting caught in these positions that I wasn't familiar with, but. Uh, Afterwards, they'd say, here's what's going on. Here's what I did. And I, oh, okay. So I'd try to protect myself a little bit. And then I'd do it one way, and then they'd choke me another way. Or, or they'd <laughs> grab an arm bar or something like that. But uh, they would. everybody was just so nice. And and it, that gym was, it was basically a fighter's gym. And I just couldn't believe all these young fighters were just, you know, would, would uh, treat me as one of them. Being, I, I know I was... 30 years older than everybody, <laughs> 20 to 30 years older than everybody. Uh, Glenn, when, when was it you decided to start competing? It was a little while after I uh, had started. I I had no plans to compete. I felt like I did not even have any uh, um, um, I, I, competitiveness in me. And uh, so I... Uh, See, I, if I, I started in about 2006, um, in, in May of 2006, um, and uh, I received my blue belt around November of 2008, and it was just about a month after that was my first competition. Actually, uh, um, yeah, it definitely was. It was a Naga tournament down in Texas. It was a uh, the, uh, uh, the the December tournament that they hold every year down in Texas that Naga's there, 
and that was my first competition ever. Was that a, a uh, gi or no gi? It was no gi. That was the that was the thing because I was a wrestler. I and back then at that gym there was very little gi training. Uh, we'd have gi maybe once or twice a week, but we'd do more no gi, and uh, and uh, I felt more comfortable no gi, and uh, I I had no plans on in competing at all. But for some reason, when I got my blue belt, I said, "Hey, I'm." I may be okay <laughs> to try to compete. So I would go to these tournaments and, uh, and at the bigger tournaments, it was okay. Uh, because I always felt like I was going to compete against somebody closer to my age. And, and uh, I would find somebody closer to my age as, as close as we can get. Anyway, it's the smaller tournaments that you end up finding out that you, they just throw you in with all the young kids. As I get older and I and I roll with the, uh, younger guys and then I roll with uh, guys a little bit older, I, I kind of try to see it from their perspective. What's the the big negative about rolling with the younger guys? Are they just are they quicker and more aggressive, or do they just uh, maybe a little bit more reckless with their opponents? Or what's the the differences with the at the different competition uh, age brackets? Are you talking about it like at the gym, or are you talking about at a tournament? At a, yeah, at a tournament. Like, what are you concerned about when you're competing with a younger person? My concern is they're just uh, quicker, uh, stronger. When you when you start at the tournaments at a lower level, it's not as bad, I don't think, because the young people are learning just like you. And uh, there's not, you know, there they might be a few white belts and uh, and some early blue belts, uh, and uh, they're all different kinds of uh, experience levels and and you and you actually can compete against the younger ones uh i never did feel too bad competing against the younger ones at at the uh at the lower belt levels but uh when i go to tournaments now i as first of all i i rarely go to any small tournaments to where i have to compete against younger people but when i go to uh, um masters worlds and i'm just looking at people there in their thirties, I could see a huge difference on the speed between them and me in my weight class. There, there are, they are so fast. I would, I don't know how well I would do against somebody like that. But you don't get the feeling that they are uh, a little more reckless with your safety or that's really not a concern. It's never been a concern at a tournament. I figure, I, I figure a tournament you're going to go against people that are going to go hard and go as hard as they can, and not as long as they don't get caught. And uh, uh, I think as long as your competitor doesn't get caught and to where they can hurt themselves, I, I wouldn't. I don't ever. I was never concerned. Uh, um, it seems to me like at uh, tournament levels, if Every time I run across something like that, that if I do catch somebody in a in a good move, they'll tap quick. So, but uh, it's the ones that would never tap that just have a full full win mode, you know, going yeah. on uh, that that bothers me. I, I I guess if I think back, there was one tournament that uh, I was going up against a very good wrestler in Oklahoma. Uh, I think he was a multi-state champion, and I think he was a current uh, uh, a wrestler at one of the uh, uh, colleges down there. And uh, um, 
he was a real good wrestler. He took me down so fast, I didn't even know what was going on. But uh, I had him in my guard, and I was able to pull up a, a triangle uh, fairly quick. And it was kind of a loose triangle, but it was enough to hold him. And uh, he picked me up a couple times, uh, first time and slammed me, and it, it was not too bad. I, I know how it is sometimes. And then he took me uh, another time. He picked me up, and he slammed me quite a bit harder. And I actually kind of mentioned something to the ref. I thought that was a little bit hard of a slam. And so sometimes you do get that. And that kind of that kind of bothered me a little bit. But uh, that was only one time. But usually I'm never too concerned about that. Man, that could be uh, that could be kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. I I lost that match, by the way. Well, you're you're getting <laughs> today's day and age. I think he would have lost that match from slamming you. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. No. You mentioned um, bigger tournaments. Let's talk about uh, Masters and Seniors Worlds. Um, tell me a little bit about your experiences that you've had uh, going to that. Uh, okay. Uh, the the first one I did was uh, at a uh, when I was a purple belt. And, uh, and, uh, they were, the tournament was in, uh, Walter, uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the, uh, uh, the venue, but it was in, uh, Long Beach, California. It was big. I just, I was excited about it. Uh, I, I knew it was going to be nice because I could uh, find quite a few people that are my age, my weight that, that I can actually, uh, compare myself against and, and, uh, there was, um, actually my, or my, uh, wake or my age group was, um, uh, master six, which was 55 and older. So I thought we'd get quite a few, but, uh, we ended up having four in, in my group. So I was excited. At least I was going to get, uh, uh, um, if I win one, I'd, I'd, I'd get another match. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm just so excited when I get to compete and, and, and try to, I never really think about how big the venue or, or, or how big the tournament is and all the, all the different, basically they're jujitsu celebrities. They're uh, all watching and everything. And, and uh, it's, it's, it, it never bothered me. I just was excited about competing against somebody that was my weight, close to my age. And, and, uh, and, and just, seeing if uh, comparing my skills against theirs. And uh, so it was just a blast for me. I, I had a good time. And how, how did you do that uh, during that first tournament? Well, the, it was uh, pretty nice. I, I drew a, a, a gentleman uh, in, the, in the first match that uh, he actually had to move up from light feather to feather so I, I kind of got lucky there. I was uh, quite a bit stronger than this guy, and I ended up taking him down pretty quick, passing his guard, and going into a, a uh, kind of a north-south attack and ended up getting a choke from that position fairly quick. So I, I was pretty rested for my next match, and uh, I was thinking that, oh, this will, this is good. This is going to be nice. At least I I, I feel like if – if um, if I do get a medal, at least I won one to get a medal. You know, I know that there was only four of us, but you only feel good if you win to get that first medal, you know? So I felt good about that. And, uh, and, uh, the second match was uh, very interesting. It was, uh, it was a, a, a gentleman that was, uh, I, I could tell he was a little bit older than me, 
but uh, when we uh, when we started, I just uh, I, I tried to get my quick take down like I normally do, and I and he stuffed my take down, and it took a long time to uh, finally get that take down. As a matter of fact, he almost took me down, and I kind of uh, in a scramble uh, ended up getting on top during that during his takedown on me, and I ended up getting the two points from that, and I in I pretty much um, controlled him going from side mount to back side mount to back and i ended up winning uh, uh that match by by uh points and uh which was uh which was uh very uh satisfying and that was the uh that was my uh uh the gold medal match right there and uh well but uh i what i was saying about i could tell he was a little bit older than me uh, uh jake our coach asked uh how old the the guy was that i competed against and uh <clears throat> found out that the guy was uh, 14, 15 years older than I was. I was so amazed. This guy was so good at that age. I was so impressed. And uh, and uh, uh, I I felt a little bit like, oh, I should have been able to beat him, you know, uh, at least submit him, but I, I couldn't do that. This I, I was amazed on how well that this guy competed at uh, at his age but uh he he was good he i mean he won his first match to get to that uh uh championship match as well so he was it was pretty impressive and since then uh, we we've competed against each other again and uh we've become pretty good friends he's a real good guy well that's cool the the friendship you made with somebody you uh competed with a few times and so that was that purple belt and then you uh do you oh, go yeah. back and, and then, uh, th- that was uh yeah and that was what was nice i did not expect this at all but uh when uh on the podium when i received my gold medal and after we we got our medals jake walked up and uh handed me my brown belt uh after that tournament which uh made me feel pretty good and then i did not make my uh uh the tournament the next year i was i had a lot of injuries i was dealing with uh my first year as a brown belt, and then uh, this last year I went again as a brown belt. And uh, I was hoping that at least there were going to be five of us, but there I think there were only four of us again. I uh, My first match was against uh, uh, that same guy I, I had my finals match this uh, last time, and uh, I ended up beating him again, and I went into the finals this time, uh, and... Uh, gentleman from uh, Tennessee. Um, I didn't get my takedown like I normally do, but uh, it's because he pulled guard so fast. I thought I could stay away from him pulling guard, but he did pull guard. So we basically worked for me on top and me trying to pass his guard and him trying to submit me from bottom the whole time. And for the whole five minutes, that was the uh, position that we were uh, in. And uh, it went into uh uh, when the, uh, when the, when the match was over, looked over at the, uh, scorecard and all zeros across on both sides. And, uh, and it was a referee's decision and gave the, uh, uh, gave the uh, match to the other guy, which was, uh, fair because he actually was able to, um, uh, work, try to work more moves than I was being on top. Uh, I think there are a lot more options when you're on bottom for, uh, some kind of submission or something, but, uh, eh, that's the way it goes. I, uh, I learned a lot from that and I've been practicing trying to, uh, 
get out of that guard hold that he was in, that he put me in. And uh, I've been working on that ever since. So <laughs> that's what you do. You try to uh, try to practice what you're weak at. And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. And I'm looking forward to the next time I compete against that guy. I'm sure we'll meet up sometime. Yeah. If history is shown, you guys will kind of meet again somewhere at uh, at Worlds and uh, and get another Hopefully. shot at it. <laughs> Hopefully, and and he he's a great guy as well. There, everybody I've met uh, at our age, we just we've become a a a group, and we uh, talk with each other on Facebook all the time. Are we going to you know doing a tournament, doing this tournament or whatever? It's 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 kind of nice. It's a good group. It's a, it's a small group. <laughs> I think I think what's good about it, and uh, it, it's not like uh, you know your age, Byron. When when you would go in, there's probably going to be about sixteen to uh, thirty-two people in your in your in your group. There, there's usually about we're we're lucky if we get five, four, five, six people in our group, and uh, it's 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 not the same as when you're a little bit younger. Huh? It, it, one thing is uh, <laughs> you have fewer matches to get to the uh, uh, podium and uh, definitely. And, uh, and then, uh, and as older uh, guys, we uh, know what we're all going through. So uh, for some reason, we've, we've uh, learned to become friends with each other and, and, uh, and uh, share information with each other. And it's been great. I've, I've enjoyed that as much as anything going to these tournaments and seeing these guys again. Well, that's inspiring to hear, and I'm not surprised. Listening to, to you talk, that, I mean, you're representing yourself well here. You're, you're a nice guy. Everybody in the gym uh, likes Glenn. If, if you come in and, and you don't get along with Glenn, something's wrong with you. you that's just uh, <laughs> the type of person you are. And uh, I think that you know it's good to see this in the, the community. Uh, you, you know, in your like in your actual bracket right there, that, that you're all basically looks like the same way. You know, very friendly people who are just having having a good time. And when you compete, you compete hard. And when you're not competing, you're your buddies. And that's a, yeah. That's an encouraging to hear. I, 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 that's the thing is, I, I like people. Uh, one of the things that uh, I like to do uh, when we go into the gym, I don't do it all the time, but uh, if I'm there early enough and everybody's kind of just uh, warming up on the mat and stretching and everything, I want to go around and shake each other, everybody's hand. And if there's somebody I don't know, I want to introduce introduce myself to them and uh, and. Uh, just welcome them. And, uh, so that, that's the thing I like to do. I like, I like people. I like, uh, and I like everybody there. Uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a great gym where I train and, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, a like I, like I said earlier, it's, uh, it's my social life right now. And it's a, it's a good one to have. Glenn, uh, I've noticed, uh, I see you mostly, I don't know, exclusively or not, but on ghee nights, um, do, do you have much, uh, are you doing much no gi or is it pretty much all gi right now? All gi right now. Uh, I've not done any no gi in a long time. Uh, when I first started doing tournaments, it was all no gi just because I felt more comfortable. Uh, and then, uh, but, uh, since I started doing the worlds and that's the tournament that I want to do well in, I've been only doing gi. So, uh, and that's the other thing is uh, you only see me on gi nights. I, I think gi nights are on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and 
Saturdays. Those are the only two. Oh, those are the only three days I regularly go into the gym and train. Uh, and and the reason is for that is just uh, I've noticed since I've started, I've had to slow down a little bit. Then I, I used to go f- uh, five days a week and then try to get a uh, open mat in somewhere. I've had to slow down. My my body doesn't take it like it used to. So I uh, I, I just go in the uh, uh, three days and and having a day off in between uh, uh, training lets my body heal and uh, it makes me feel. Um, uh, I, I think that that's the formula formula that I've uh, found that it keeps my body at, at its, at its normal good training level anyway. Well, that's, it's good to find that kind of, uh, what we get you at your peak. So, uh, this three days a week, are you doing anything different, you know, a month out from the big tournament or are you pretty much doing the same uh, schedule, just training, uh, like normal? I do. I do try to roll harder. I, I uh, and I try to roll with uh, the higher level belts uh, at that time, uh, and and just try to make sure that uh, I, I I like to work top quite a bit, and then uh, in in tournaments I'll I feel comfortable on top, but I'll try if I ever get caught under underneath, I uh, I need to uh, work those, so I'll try to work a, quite a bit of uh, underneath. As a matter of fact, I've been kind of training a lot by working underneath, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, I'll feel a lot more comfortable if I ever get caught there. But uh, I, I, the main thing is that I, I just like a, a couple months out, I, I just start rolling a little bit harder, and I and I roll with upper belts, that, and I let them know that I'm trying to roll a little bit harder, getting ready for the tournament, and and uh, uh, just and and try to keep them. Uh, um, pushing me a little bit harder. If I, if I roll with heavier people, uh, um, I make sure that, uh, they just try to keep pushing me. It's, uh, that's it, probably my, my biggest thing that I do. It's, it's just more harder rolls, yeah. uh, prior to the tournament. And then, uh, and then right before the tournament, I'll, I'll take a, uh, about a week and a half off. I, I will just go through moves and, and not roll real hard. It's, uh, uh, more more like about a week before the tournament and then uh, and I feel like uh I'm ready to go tournament time um mm-hmm. watching my weight too that's the, that's the other thing uh, that's probably one of my biggest things that I have to uh, worry about as well is, is watching that weight are you just controlling that with diet or are you doing any off the mat training like you know cardio stuff running around and or weights or anything like that I eat usually I eat pretty good uh and uh uh, I had gotten up to uh, well over my uh, featherweight uh, um, weight that I feel comfortable at, and uh, this last uh, uh, Worlds were, uh, was in August this year, and uh, around April I realized that I was well overweight, and I actually uh, started a, uh, a diet to where I uh, kind of cut back on a lot of uh, sugar and. Um, or I, I actually uh, uh, eliminated all sugar and uh, and dairy and uh, and uh, grains out of my diet, and I got down to weight uh, a weight that I felt comfortable at, and I've been and I've been staying at that. So uh, uh, it's it's just something I always have worried about, and uh, I don't want to go all the way, spend all that money, go into a tournament, 
uh, weighing in and being overweight. And that's, that's just, it's always on my mind. And I usually go into those tournaments. I'm my, I probably overdo it. I'm usually like four or five pounds underweight just because I don't want to take that chance. And, uh, that, and that's why weight is such a concern of mine. It's more uh, for competition than it is just for healthy uh, living for you, it sounds like. It's, um, I, I need to watch my, uh, uh, what I eat for, um, uh, for my health as well. I have a tendency to have a high cholesterol, so it's, it's always good to kind of keep an eye on that as well. But uh, mostly for competition. That's. Uh, I think that's a good uh, motivation, uh, motivating thing to have that competition kind of looming over. I got to make weight for this because you know being a little bit overweight, you don't really see the effects of that right away, and it just kind of just happens. But if you've uh, that that the the, the scale is not going to lie when you show up and you get your plane tickets and uh, you're trying to get in that bracket and you don't make it. <laughs> so and that's. I, a, and I've, I've seen guys that I've, I've been in the tournaments where they've uh, weighed in and they've uh, been overweight and uh, they spent all that money getting there uh, and in the hotel and, and, uh, and, and tried to lose the weight and, and uh, all the money that you spend trying to get to, uh, I mean, you're, you're flying across country and it, it's uh, crazy. And then, and there's, obviously strict i mean they have to be and if you don't make it you don't make it uh you you don't get to uh you don't get to compete so uh it's it's an important that you uh, uh you watch that and and uh, make sure that you don't get into that situation to where uh you spend all that money and and uh turn around and go home and and uh and and waste your time and waste everybody else's time that helped you get there yeah, that would be uh, that'd be very disappointing to 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 get out there and and, and not make the weight. Yeah. You know, that's uh, yeah. My I I don't think our coach would be <laughs> my coach would be too happy with me. <laughs> well, you know, things happen. You know, he. It, yeah. But uh, that, that would be that wouldn't be the best way to to show up at at worlds and uh, and not make your weight class. Uh, Glenn, you mentioned that you had to take off uh, for injuries. What injuries did you have? Uh, I, I have a, uh, for the last, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, 28 years I've had, uh, back problems. I had a L5 S1 disc that, uh, keeps acting up and, uh, bulges against the nerves and, uh, it puts me out for, uh, um, weeks at a time. And then, uh, that year that I missed that tournament, uh, it seemed to be a, a, a big problem for me, uh, that year, uh, I, my back was hurt all the time. So it's something that I've always dealt with. Uh, actually jujitsu has helped me quite a bit. I, I can, it's got to where I can, I know what to do. I know what kind of stretches I need to do. And I know how, I know where I need to take it easy. And, uh, um, uh, is kind of helped me, uh, control that, uh, problem that I've had. I've never gone through surgery to fix that or anything. I've always tried to do it through exercise. And, uh, prior to jujitsu, I, I always had that hurt back, uh, that L5S1 bulge and, uh, and jujitsu's 
been a, uh, it's almost been um, the perfect medicine for that uh, problem that I've had. It's just uh, loosening it up or help? I don't understand how it's uh, actually helping it. I, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's, um, if the muscles around it have strengthened, uh, if I get the stretching that I need or, okay. or, or what, but, uh, uh, since I've been doing jujitsu, it's, uh, it's helped my back problem quite a bit. Yeah. I, I remember it just a couple of days ago, we were, I don't know if we were warming up or doing a technique or something and, and, uh, you're standing next to me and you said something like, uh, I'm not doing that particular, uh, type of roll onto my neck or something. And I go, hey, I don't, I don't do that either. <laughs> it's it's not worth. That's, the, uh, that's that's true. There are some things that uh, I, I cannot do uh, as well as some people, and that's uh, some of the uh, uh, you know some of the stretches that we uh, do. I, I've noticed that uh, if um, uh, one of our stretches when we warm up and uh, we come back on our necks and touch our feet to the ground behind us and just stretch out our back. I noticed that I can't do that as well as uh, you or or a- anybody else in our gym. I just my back doesn't bend as well as anybody else's. And and then the other thing is uh, when my feet are above my head, for some reason I get a little bit dizzier than everybody else too. There's a lot of a lot of that uh, a few moves that were uh, uh, like inverted moves that uh, I have a lot of trouble with just because uh, I'll, I'll stop and I'll end up getting a little bit dizzy and uh, I can't complete the move. I'll just have to stop and sit out that, uh, that drill. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do have a, one thing is my back. And then the other thing is that uh, sometimes I do get a little bit dizzy when I'm inverted like that. Well, it's good to know kind of what your body's going to, how it's going to respond and then respect that. And, uh, that that's that's perfectly fine. I've I've definitely made changes to my game to keep myself uh, healthy and and to try to avoid injuries. And I've I've yeah. gotten rid of some of my favorite parts of uh, what I do. But uh, I've gotten injured less this year, so that's been good. it's been good. Probably a few less yeah, submissions, I, but less injuries for me. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a few passes, guard passes that uh, I can't do anymore. You know the, uh, you know, both arms under the leg. I can't pick somebody up like I used to and, and, uh, pull them to me. Uh, there's, I have to avoid that move. And, uh, that's, uh, you, you, after, after injuring yourself a few times doing that, you learn that, okay, I can't do that anymore. Let's try something else. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can still do just so you just not going to do that part of it. And there's lots of options of things you could do differently. And Absolutely. Think, Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're definitely a good example of that. So uh <laughs> it's it's good to have you in the gym and and to have you uh, as a training partner. You know, you're you mentioned going a little harder towards uh, tournament time, but I always get a good role with you and <laughs> whether I don't know whether you're close to tournament time or not, but uh, you're always uh, a good match to have on the mat. Well, sometimes when uh, Byron when I would go with you, I want I want to try to prove myself a little bit saying, okay, I have learned a few things and I'll, I'll try, I'll try a few things, but, uh, hopefully, uh, I'm not like in tournament mode or anything. I just trying the moves. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I, I just appreciate, uh, you know, good competitive roles and, and you do bring that, uh, to the mat. So that's, uh, that's always okay. fun. Uh, Glenn. Well, thank you. And I, and I appreciate those roles that I get with you every now and then. 
uh, we've talked about uh, jujitsu and kind of your, you know, your uh, style of jujitsu and, and what you do and, and your com- competition history a little bit. But you also do something uh, that most of us uh, grapplers don't do. And, uh, you know, I've seen you in, in the Bellator cage uh, officiating things. And, and it's like, it's always kind of fun to, you know, to be at home on my couch and, and to, you know, there's Glenn. And, and, but the thing is, Glenn, I have no idea what your job is or what you're doing in the cage. So uh, I just, could you just kind of just inform us uh, what your job is, you know, in uh, a mixed martial arts competition uh, and, and yeah, sure. what you're doing? Well, like I said earlier, I, I, I enjoyed uh, mixed martial arts. I've always been a fan of it. Uh, I always go to the all the local shows that uh, we've always had. Uh, I... I um, had been to so many of them at one time. Uh, the uh, the uh, Kansas Athletic Commissioners kept seeing me, I guess, and he uh, he caught me at actually a jujitsu tournament one time. He goes, "Hey, can, he goes, I always see you at the uh, at the fights and at the tournaments. Uh, uh, I guess you're a big fan." I go, "Yes, I am." He goes, uh, "He goes, uh, are you interested in a uh, a job as a?" Uh, with the athletic or the Kansas athletic commission working as an inspector. And I go, well, yeah, I guess that'd be great. I wouldn't mind doing it. So I put in my application, put in all the paperwork and they've hired me. And I've been probably doing that for about the last four or five years. And that's, that's kind of how I got started in that. Um, you said that uh, you were wondering what I do there. Yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, I know what the the referee does. That's that's pretty obvious. But uh, when I see you in the background, um, you know, I just don't know really what as you're as up to. As an inspector, what we do? Yeah. Okay. What what we're doing? We're we're actually the referee's not part of the commission. The commission hires the referee for all the uh, different fights. So. Uh, uh, but we are actually part of the athletic commission. The inspectors are part of the athletic commission and that's the, uh, and the fights, uh, the promotion brings in the athletic commission to sanction the fights and to sanction the fights. You have to make sure that everything is done fairly. You, your, your, uh, your weigh-ins are done fairly. Uh, your, your weigh-ins, your, the, uh, the competitors are not losing too much weight to get to a certain weight during their during their uh, uh, prior to their fights. Uh, we so we we do the weigh-ins uh, during the uh, fight night. We uh, make sure that uh, the everything is uh, legal and and uh, as while they as they tape and uh, and wrap the hands. Uh, we'll have to sign off on those, uh, uh, making sure that there's, you know, that, that it's, it's a legally wrapped and taped hand. Uh, we'll, we'll sign off. Uh, once that's signed off, they'll, uh, make sure that the, uh, uh, gloves are fair gloves and they'll tape the gloves on and we'll sign off on those gloves. They're ready to fight. Uh, we ensure that the, uh, fingernails, toenails are clipped, uh, that they don't have any jewelry, uh, on as they walk out to the cage. Sometimes you you find out that uh, people have a, forget to take off a earring or something like that, and they'll try to walk out to the cage, and you'll you'll catch that. Make sure <laughs> that they have groin protection. Make sure that they have a mouthpiece. There's a there's a lot of little things that you need to watch for, you know, to uh, 
uh, prior to them going into the cage. And then uh, once they're at the cage, you uh, ensure that they grease, get greased properly, make sure that there's no grease anywhere except where it's supposed to be around the eyes. Uh, as you know, if, uh, if you have uh, a little bit of grease on your back or something like that, or on your arms, you might be able to slip out of a uh, possible triangle real easy or something like that. So you, you need to make sure that uh, they're, the fights are fair. So that's, that's basically what the inspectors do uh, uh, prior to a fight. Make, uh, ensure that uh, the uh, competitors are being fair with each other. Uh, Glenn, are you assigned a certain uh, person or a corner, or how, how do you get assigned uh, your assignment at the, at the event? It uh, usually uh, the uh, lead in, the chief inspector will assign a certain locker room and you will take care of that full locker room. And then uh, during the fights, you will be assigned certain fighters. Now, smaller fights, you'll probably be assigned to every fighter from that one corner. Like I'll be in the red corner, someone else will be in the blue corner and I'll, and, and that's, and I'll work every red corner fighter. But at the bigger fights, like uh, Bellator fights or something, we'll be assigned certain fighters. And you need to make sure that you're there and working with that fighter the whole time. Uh, you do not want them to get out into the uh, uh, cage and uh, getting ready to start the fight and then find out that his mouthpiece is gone. And you never even check that. So, you know, there's there's certain things that you just need to be aware of prior to that. So, uh, uh Smaller fights, you'll work at your corner, and you'll work every every fighter. Bigger fights, you'll be assigned certain fighters. You know, as you're talking about, like, checking for the mouthpiece and this and that, I'm reminded of uh, Benson Henderson. And uh, occasionally, he'll sneak in, like, a toothpick in his mouth. Have you seen this before? Yeah. That's amazing. I've, I've heard of that. I, I actually never saw it. I heard that he had a toothpick in his mouth, and... Uh, he was actually fighting with that toothpick in his mouth. I don't know why they didn't catch it. I don't know why the referee didn't catch it. By the time by the time the fight started, it went through a lot of people before <laughs> it it got caught. It probably got caught on TV is what yeah. everybody learned about it, wasn't it? Yeah, he kind of. I, I didn't see it, but I heard about it. I don't know which fight that was, but it it was on TV, and I'm like, he's got a toothpick in his mouth, and he's done it also in grappling competitions as well. If uh, if um, I got out there and my fighter had a toothpick in his mouth and they didn't find it till like the second round or something, I think the uh, commissioner would probably uh, be talking to me pretty quick as <laughs> soon as he found out. <laughs> How did you let that go? How did you miss that? I didn't I know, know to check for a toothpick. That's ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I know. I I did uh, I did walk somebody out one time and. Uh, I said, do you have any jewelry? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even expect this, but he had a ring in his tongue. <laughs> and and uh, he took that ring in his tongue. I wasn't even thinking of that. <laughs> I was yeah. surprised that uh, he goes, oh, yeah, I have some jewelry right here. And he started pulling it out of his mouth. <laughs> so I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't need, uh, don't need that in there while you're fighting. Probably not the best no. thing. So, what's going on in between rounds? You're just making sure that uh, they're not breaking any rules, and they're, um, you know, not yeah. Using... In, in between rounds, there are things that you need to do uh, during the during the fight. The referee has control of the cage, and then uh, in between rounds and after the fight, you have control of your fighters. You have control of his uh, corner, 
his seconds, the uh, two or three uh, 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 people that are working with him, and then uh, and then the uh, other inspector has control of the other ones. Uh, and, and so that means that allows the uh, referee to talk to the commissioner or whatever he needs to do, and he doesn't have to worry about the fighters during that time. And then, and then in between rounds, you uh, ensure that they don't they're not greasing in between rounds in MMA in Kansas. You cannot grease in between rounds. And then, uh, uh, another rule we have is, uh, a lot of times a, a, a fighter's corner, try to put water over their head and just slow down the uh, fight to give their fighter a little bit more rest between rounds because they know we'll have to mop that up. I try to make sure that they do not, they know that they cannot put water over their heads there's a lot of little things that you just kind of watch for. And then one of the biggest things is at, at the, um, the timer always keeps a 10 second. They'll, they'll ring out 10 seconds prior to the round that getting ready to start again. That's when you have to clear their, their cornermen out, their seconds out. And, and, uh, and, and they're still trying to give them water or something. You need to actually push those guys out so we can get this fight started. You don't want them that fighter getting any more rest than what they had contracted for. So, or, uh, that they had contracted to. So, uh, and that's the, usually the minute in between rounds and that's it. Uh, I've seen a lot of fighters or a lot of corpsmen try to extend that if they feel like their fighters getting a little bit tired and, and, and try to do some extra stuff. And that's when you have to step in and say, let's go, let's go. And you'll, and you'll actually have to, put your body up against them and say, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's get the fight going. So you know, th- there's a lot of little things that you have to do. And then, and then afterwards, after the fight, you still uh, want to make sure that uh, nobody goes in until the doctor sees the fighters. Uh, and then once the doctor sees the fighters, you can bring the cornermen in. And if there's any animosity between the two fighters afterwards, you need to be aware of that and make sure that there's no aggression afterwards. So, there's there's a lot of little things that you have to watch for. Usually fights go pretty well though. I've never had too much trouble with uh, anything like that. Sounds like in between in between rounds are kind of a bit of a bouncer getting the guys out of there. Come on, just uh, well, let's go. Yeah, you you just try to you try to make sure that they're uh, uh, going by the rules. Yeah, all. it's uh, uh, you just want to make sure of that, and <laughs> it's. I definitely, uh, I've seen a lot of those cornermen. I definitely could not be a bouncer against one of those guys. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, they, yeah, you're, just, you're keeping them, uh, keeping them honest, keeping them into the rules, which is good. Absolutely, just a little push yeah, that's, might, that's, might help. And that's that's the main thing. Uh, uh, and then uh, behind the, you know, that's what you see in the cage. Uh, there's a lot of activity behind uh, behind the curtains as well. So you know, just running around trying to make sure that everybody's signed off on their, on their wraps and they're signed off on their gloves and they're ready to go. And, uh, prior to the fight and there's a, sometimes, uh, sometimes there are fewer inspectors than uh, what we need. And it's a little bit crazier back there, but, uh, but, uh, I think we've got a pretty good crew in Kansas here and we, we do, a, we do a pretty good job anyway. That's good. Is this uh fun for you or is it kind of a job? It, no, it's fun. It's definitely fun. I I enjoy it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. Uh, it uh, it it 
definitely uh, uh, wouldn't be a, 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 I don't look at it as his job anyway. Do you have a, a favorite part of it or the whole experience and the just, it's the, it's the whole experience. And, and, and just like I said, you know, in our gym, you know, we've got this, uh, camaraderie in the gym. Uh, it seems like you see that in the, in the fight and uh, the fight world too. Uh, some of the nicest people I've ever seen are some of the toughest fighters I've ever, I've ever watched, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, and I enjoy those people just like I do in, in the gym. I've, I've become a lot of, uh, I've become friends with a lot of the fighters in uh, Kansas and, and, and uh, local states here. Uh, as well as the uh, commissioner and and uh, and uh, other uh, inspectors that work for the commission and and a lot of the referees that come in uh, that uh, work some of the fights, we're a pretty good group of people and it's an enjoyable be, be around. Uh, and and I look at it as a uh, as a, this a one of a fun hobby of mine. Well, cool. I'm, it's it's. I'm glad you have this uh, this hobby going, and it's always fun to see you uh, working. I'm never uh, working. I'm if I go, I'm just there enjoying the uh, the fights. And if I am watching on TV, I'm just there, uh, you know, watching the fights and watching uh, Glenn do his thing. So that's always uh, part of the fun for me on that. Um, Glenn, I kind of want to change gears a little bit. You started uh, jujitsu at 47, uh, coming off of basically it sounds like the couch, not doing a whole lot of physical activity. Uh, you know, many people are, are parents of grapplers at that age, and many people uh, maybe are just curious about jiu-jitsu but really aren't giving themselves the uh, the shot. You know, I'm too old for this is, is probably the most common thing that they would say. What would, would you say to maybe encourage uh, a grappler, you know, mid to late 40s or, or somewhere around that range if they're considering uh, getting on the mats and trying some jiu-jitsu? If, if first of all they they've got to want to do it they've got to be interested enough to do it You're, a lot of a lot of times you'll see somebody my age just say oh no I'm not even interested and but if there's somebody that's got a little bit of interest uh, uh, and they may try it uh, my my best advice is is that what you're looking for looking yeah, for yeah, advice yeah, yeah. Or, yeah yeah my best advice is uh, uh, take it easy oh my gosh I, there's no way that I could compete as hard as I, as I, uh, I did when I, uh, wrestled in, in high school. I mean, it was the, uh, I think, uh, when we wrestled, we had uh, three, two minute rounds and, and it was, it was hard. I mean, it was, it was going hard that, that whole, uh, six minutes. And, uh, um, and that's what I tried to do when I first started. And I, and I tried to go just as hard as I could and I, and I couldn't, I didn't have the uh, stamina and uh, even even with the uh, cardio that I've got today, I, I don't have the stamina to go to, uh, that that whole time. So, what I at, at my age, it's really I think you as far as training, don't go hard, and and try to learn the technique. Uh, a lot of people come in and they'll you could feel you could feel they'll 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 stiffen up. They'll they'll be real tense the whole time that they're rolling with you, Byron and 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 you can feel when they're just tense the whole time, or then sometimes you can, you as they as they grow, you can feel them relax a little bit. And I and I think if you can get them to uh, relax sooner, I think they'll have a more enjoyable experience, especially when they start learning little techniques that they don't have to use a lot of strength with, and they can use a little bit of leverage and 
a little bit of uh, uh, um, of technique and 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 move somebody around. Uh, I think that they'll enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, that I think that that's probably my best advice is just to learn how to relax and 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 try to learn the moves and uh, and don't go hard. You know, try try to just take it easy. Try to re- and and you're your stamina will build or your cardio will build afterwards. But, uh, as, as you, uh, as you continue to roll, but, uh, um, that's probably the biggest thing. Just take it easy. Uh, turn the moves. And I'm sure you, I'm sure you've experienced that same thing. I have when somebody new comes into the gym, how tense they get, you know, and, and uh, they try to go real hard. That's the first thing I try to tell everybody, just slow down, Take it easy. What moves have you got? And let's try to work through those some of those moves. Yeah. And those are the brand new brand new white belts. As, as they get uh, as they get uh, after they've been a white belt for six months uh, a year, it, it, it's uh, easy to see that they've changed. And uh, hopefully, you've just helped them change a little bit quicker. Glenn, uh, you're kind of in a interesting position here. I, I know you come to class, you have fun. Uh, you're a very lighthearted guy, but you're also a very serious grappler and, and you have some, uh, you know, goals as far as competing and getting better and you're training three times a week. Uh, so what advice do you have for somebody that like you, like me, we're pretty busy. We can't get in there every day. You say three times a week. How could you get the most out of your training sessions? Just getting in there those few times. When you're getting ready for competition, you probably need to find some different people and, and tell them said, okay, I'm getting ready to compete. I want your help. I, I usually try to find uh, uh, real good grapplers that are my size. Uh, it doesn't I, it doesn't help me to uh, find somebody that's you know uh, over two hundred pounds because that's not the type of grappling that I'll be doing. So I, I try to find somebody that's my size and I and I say, okay, can you help me get ready for this? And then that's the person that you want to try to roll with to get the most out of your workouts prior to a competition. Uh, the three days a week through when, when you're not getting ready for a competition or anything, I, I think just, it, 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 it just works out. My schedule work. It works out for me. Uh, I, I work straight days. Uh, and, uh, by the time I get there, I'm, uh, Tuesday evenings, Thursday evenings, Saturday mornings, it just works out perfect for me. But, uh, um, yeah, when I'm not competing, that's just, that's just my, uh, if, uh, the other thing is if I can get a, uh, open mat uh if if i can get an open mat every now and then at some at one of the gyms it, that kind of that's a little bit extra but i i uh, i still feel good with that extra uh, open mat so for for the being busy those just those days just work out for me uh if i'm getting ready to compete i use those days and i work with specific people that I feel that are good grappling partners to help me get ready. And I, and I try to work a little bit harder with them. And, but I still use that same schedule. Uh, it's Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. If I go more than that right now, I, I, it, my body doesn't uh, heal fast enough. And, uh, uh, if, if I get that day off in between practices, it, it, uh, I feel that that's the, uh, uh, best method for me to uh, stay as ta- as as uh, competitive as I can be, anyway. 
Well, good. Glenn, uh, I've had a pleasure talking with you. Do you have any uh, like final words to say to the audience? If, if, uh, if anything, is uh, there are a lot of gems. There are a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu gems that, uh, that are around, even in, in a, a small town like Wichita. And, and uh, my best, my best uh, suggestion is uh, if you like it a little bit, try out try out those gyms see which one fits you fits fits your personality the best and and uh start up it's a, it's fun sport it's uh it is a uh, like i said earlier it's a it's a fun way to work out and, and stay in shape and uh you know if you've got any kind of uh uh health issues at all it's done nothing but uh, uh help me uh, uh, it's helped me with my cholesterol. It's helped me with my back problems. Uh, it's probably uh, um, uh, one of the best things that's uh, I've done for myself. And uh, I think I'm I'm sticking with it as long as I can. I've been doing it for uh, over uh, uh, probably about ten and a half years now. And I think I think it's got me hooked now, Byron. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, I believe so as well, and, uh, and you'll be you'll be doing this uh, much much longer. I hope so. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on the mat. Hey, uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. I look forward to seeing you at the Christmas party in a little little while. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys too, and I'm looking forward to it. Yep, this is uh, kind of our Christmas episode, so we got to mention that. So, <laughs> uh, happy to have you on here, Glenn. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, introducing uh, one of my friends uh, to the audience here and uh, just somebody that, that I see, you know, at least once or twice a week, I hope. And, uh, you know, one of my good training partners. So uh, thanks for, sh- for jumping on here with me and uh, sharing your story a little bit. Well, thank you, Byron. It's been a pleasure. All right. A big thank you to Glenn. You know, I asked him to, to, if he's interested a few, uh, probably six months ago, and he's like, yeah, nobody wants to hear me talk. And, and, and finally, I approached him again. I was like, hey, man, you have an interesting story. You're, you're great at jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, why not share a little bit of that? You know, and, I, and I'm also interested, if you watch Bellator, he's, he's an official you in, see him in there the cage. All the time. Yep. Especially when they're here in town or in Kansas. But he, he does it all the time. He's, he goes to smaller MMA events, and he's, he's helping those uh, events run smoothly and, and doing his thing and I was, just, I was just curious what do you do I see a lot of people in the cage and UFC Bellator whatever these big events are you know there's more than just the two fires in the ref and the guy with the bucket and you know coach there's there's people who are doing jobs and I don't really understand that so kind of nice to hear a little bit of that inside information and uh, if Bellator ever comes to Kansas again which I, they probably will yeah it's in January 2017 uh, definitely check out uh, David Caveman Rickles and Chris Harris they're both uh, on the card there you go two uh, two great local guys here and uh, they'll be uh, they'll be doing their thing they'll be they'll, they're very impressive to watch those guys and also check out for Glenn so uh, go to the website bjzipper.com look at Glenn's picture and I, you'll see him in there yeah you'll definitely <laughs> see Glenn so uh maybe not as exciting as uh chris harris and uh the caveman but uh he'll be in there doing his thing (laughs) oh glenn's more exciting no i'm just kidding but uh, we will have a handful of uh really cool local fighters on there as well we'd like to thank all our patreon supporters Uh, patreon is a website for content producers and basically you know like us and what it does is we have different options where you can go on and if you have the financial means you can support the show for as little as uh, 50 cents a show um, you know we have different options and and 
basically running the show is not free. Um, you know, there's hosting costs. There's, uh, you know, cost to buy myself a new grappling shorts and, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, there are costs associated with the show. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all the support from anybody who will uh, check out the link we have to Patreon. And like I said, if you do have some financial means to support us, like I said, it's as little as 50 cents a show. Uh, definitely check it out. And uh, we appreciate all the support we get from all our loyal listeners. So thank you guys very much. Patreon is making a big difference in the show, and it's helping us kind of uh, make things a little bit bigger. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit deeper uh, next episode. You know, that's one way to support us is on Patreon and is financially. Another way would be to tell a friend about the show. You could do that in person. You could. Uh, a lot of people don't even know what podcasts are. They don't know how to actually play them on their. If you could play a podcast on your phone, you could basically listen to it while you're doing anything. You could drive. You could you'd be doing yard work, shoveling in the driveway with snow, uh, whatever you're doing. You gotta have an earbud in. You can listen to podcasts. Some people don't really understand, you know, what that even is. So if if your if your teammate doesn't know what a podcast is, introduce them to it. There's lots of other great podcasts. There's lots of other great jujitsu podcasts. Find one you like. It doesn't have to be our show, but uh, if you tell your friends about us, we'd de- definitely appreciate that. Of course, you can do that on social media, Facebook, Twitter. We do have a YouTube channel. We're always working on that a little bit, and uh, and so we're just looking to to make the show get a little bit better and make the uh, website as well, uh, com grow. And uh, we're looking forward to that in the new year. Speaking of getting a little bit better, if you happen to uh, come through the center of the United States, Wichita, Kansas, uh, that's where we're located, send us a message, bjjbrick at gmail.com or uh, on our Facebook page, bjjbrick. We'd love to train with you and uh, learn from you and uh, get a little bit better. So uh, definitely we'd like to train with you. Gary, uh, good news and bad news. <laughs> What's the bad news? <laughs> bad news is, unfortunately, we do not have a Matt Tales this week. You know, it's it's definitely uh, a fan favorite. I don't know how, if my game's going to be sharp at all. It's been a long time since I've had to do an audiobook. We've had a few Matt Tales in a row. Basically, if you have a, a pretty amazing Jusu story that you want to share, uh, type it up. You know, you don't have to type it up, you know, perfectly or whatever. I, I will kind of change some of the details and make it flow a little bit better. And uh, send us to bjjbrick at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. That's another way people have done it uh, through the messenger there. And we'll make a Matt Tales out of it. If you haven't heard them, they're a lot of fun. Um, but uh, because we don't have that, we put Gary in the spot. And uh, Gary has an audiobook coming out that he'd like to talk to you guys about. Yeah, so when we don't have one, Byron likes to clown on me <laughs> and uh, put me on the spot. So it's going to be my audiobook. Yep, Gary's audio book this week is called, and you know, this I guess part of the fun of this is he has no idea what I'm going to say right now. Uh, but Gary, your audio book that you're working on very, very hard for, and you know it's really part of the winter season. Uh, your audio book is called "Time for Some Hockey: Drop the Puck and Put on the Boxing Glove." Uh, Gary's survival book to doing well in hockey. Well, you know. I did grow up in the Northeast and, uh, you know, grew up around hockey. Uh, Can't say I really played it. Uh, Can't say I really even know how to skate. (laughs) But a lot of my buddies did. So that makes me kind of an expert. That makes, yeah, that's, I think why you're saying drop the hockey stick. You don't, okay, you're not going to teach them how to play hockey. Put on the boxing glove and, uh, and play hockey like that way. Yeah. And I mean, if you've looked at, you know, our, uh, what do you call it? Our BJJ brick, uh, Sign, or I don't know, your picture of uh, myself, you know, having Byron in a 
microphone choke with a cord and Byron's getting ready to hit me with a brick, you can see that I'm very good at improvising. And so, you know, that picture there of our BJJ brick goes a long way for this hockey. And I mean, the way I look at it, hockey, you already have gloves on. You, you have some big gloves on, except they do have fingers, which allows you to grab the stick. And a lot of people do expect fights at a hockey game, which personally I think is a little ridiculous. I I think the sport of hockey is, you know, an art just like jiu-jitsu. And, and I think everybody should, you know, be there for the hockey. But <laughs> there are people like the fights. And I think a lot, I hear people say all the time they're going to the going to a you know hockey game just to watch the fight so basically my audiobook is about how to make yourself a little bit safer on the hockey rink i guess it's called since i'm so-called expert yeah ice rink so basically um we are going to use boxing gloves especially if i know i'm going to get in a fight i'm taping my hands beforehand we talked about that i'll probably use you know probably the best hand wrapper in the united states C2, Craig Kennedy, will probably be taping my hands. You know, because we talked about finger protecting our fingers. You talked a little bit about boxers protecting their hands. I don't want my hands broken. I need to be able to fight every week if I'm going to play this sport. So we're going to use boxing gloves. We're going to get rid of the stick, and it's just going to be... It, it's you've seen, you've seen the new videos going around, like Team MMA. Like yeah, I saw that. Stuff. We're going to do this. But it's going to be on an ice hockey rink. What's that going to do? It's going to mess your footwork up, you know, because you will not be able to plan as well. But what it, what else is it going to do? You imagine how nasty your go-go plot is going to be when you have skates on? Whoa. I mean, you think about it. You imagine a Fatal. bicep slicer? I mean, it's a real bicep slicer. I mean, you better have health insurance if you're going to participate in this sport. But... You know, the way that society has become a brutal society, you know, this is going back to Roman days. So I think I could, you know, with the right backing, you know, maybe if I get some rich person like the Fertitta brothers or or G, uh, Vince McMahon or maybe even Jim McMahon, the former quarterback for the Chicago Bears, you know, maybe I can pull this off. But that's my goal. Um, I know this one isn't... Um, you know, it's a little different. It's kind of like my goal to start a new sport. And uh, so hopefully uh, hopefully I can get it started. More of a sales pitch than it is. A, I mean, it's obviously going to be a book, but it's more of a pamphlet, like what you want to do with the, with the plan. Yeah, yep. And I think I think once people read the book or listen to the book, since it's an audio book, <laughs> yeah. I really think they will make it into a movie. Why wouldn't they? Nice. And I know they've already talked about it numerous times of, you know, who was going to play me. And uh, <laughs> they're thinking of going with Kenny Florian, but uh, the backup is Brad Pitt. So we'll see. There we go. Yeah, I would be played by Ben Stiller probably <laughs> if I was able to get in it. Yeah, Gary. You know, this takes me back, reflecting on the quote of the week. You know, by Wayne Gretzky. You know, play where the puck. Uh, a good hockey, hockey player plays where the puck is. A great one plays where the puck's going to be. Could you know this one's going to be so violent? Could you you know you're going to be punching right in the nose? Could the good hockey player play where the nose is, and the great one going to be punching where the nose is going to be? Yeah, I'm going to be punching behind the nose. <laughs> so I'm going to vision all my punches going through the nose. So um, you know I'm really going to work hard at it. So uh, I think uh, I think uh, it'll the sport will take off, and I think I'll probably be. Uh, first-team All-American. 
Yep. Gary, it's been nice having you on the show. I know that this will basically consume your free time and uh, probably uh, start you on a new career path in general This this, when this uh, boxing, hockey, jiu-jitsu thing takes off. No, I don't think so. I just got an email back. Uh, yeah, I sent some emails out here while we were talking about <laughs> it, and I got four declines. So uh, actually, I think I'm going to stick with the show, Byron. Okay. Well, I have no backing. Nice that you gave up so quickly over the course of this conversation. Maybe we should have a, a quote about not giving up so quickly next week. There we go. Huh. That's, a, that's a good idea. Um, maybe if you set up a Patreon page, you would have got a little support, but that didn't happen. Yeah, that's a good of, idea. of the conversation. Uh, Gary, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to next week. Uh, is our um, It's the last episode of the month, so you guys know what that's going to be. It's going to be us handling a topic, and the topic is going to be, well... It's the last episode of the year, so we're going to kind of do that. We're going to kind of review the year, maybe for uh, as much as we can. Jiu-Jitsu, we'll kind of look at some big things that happened. Uh, we'll also review the year for ourselves as far as what we've done with our games and our Jiu-Jitsu and, and things of going. And, and maybe you could, hearing us kind of break down our years, will help you do the same and kind of step back and look at you know how your Jiu-Jitsu is going for the year and, and where you want to take it. And then we're going to look forward to the next year about uh also with our with our jiu-jitsu our development can maybe set some some ideas what we want to do with jiu-jitsu also with the podcast with the bg brick in general where we want to go in the future and uh and then just jiu-jitsu as well where where are the the trends going to be next year so it'll be a little bit of a guesswork there but it'll be kind of fun to do this and and break down uh you know 2016 and 2017 for bjj so hopefully it'll be a fun episode next week Yep, so definitely tune in next week as we uh, start a new year. And we can get a whole bunch of terrible predictions. <laughs> that won't happen. <laughs> so uh, check us out and stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs>